Hey friends, well, after a long and for many of you cold winter, are you ready to bring the spirit of the islands into your home? Look no further than Home Threads, where comfort meets coastal living. At HomeThreads.com, you can discover a collection inspired by the tranquility of the beach. From breezy linens to stylish coastal decor, they've got everything you need to turn your home into a seaside retreat, and always at the best value. If you haven't been to the Home Threads website yet, you have to go check it out, see their beautiful bedding, everything they have for your kitchen, lighting, workspace, and a gift guide, which has something for everyone on your list. I'm thinking ahead to Mother's Day, Father's Day, anniversaries, birthdays, and more. So visit homethreads.com forward slash Monica and get a code for 15% off your first order. Because whether you're on the islands or dreaming of the sea, Home Threads brings the beach to you. Home Threads, love where you live. Christian Parenting Aloha friends, welcome to the Boy Mom Podcast, powered by Christian Parenting. I am Monica Swanson, mom to four boys, podcast host and author of Boy Mom, What Your Son Needs Most From You. Here on the podcast, it's my goal to bring you practical advice and biblical wisdom for raising boys in this sometimes crazy world. You can always find show notes over at monicaswanson.com forward slash podcast. I'm so glad you're here. We are not limitless. We are limited, not because we're selfish, but because we're human. So those three words are very important because to the level that we give someone access to us, and that's physically, financially, emotionally, all of those, to the level that we give them access, they need to bring that same level of responsibility to match the access that we've given them. Hey friends, before we get into today's episode, I just want to remind you and me both that we are just around the corner from Christmas time. Can you believe that? And we all know that there's a whole lot of busyness that comes with the Christmas season and Christian parenting wants to help keep our families focused on the one thing that actually matters this Christmas season, which of course is celebrating the birth of Jesus. So Christian parenting has created the coolest new resource. I love this so much. It's called the songs tell the story and it's a family devotional that explores 25 of the popular Christmas songs we sing around the holidays and explains the message behind them. They all I'll point back to Jesus and his miraculous birth. So if you're looking for a fun and interactive way to keep your family focused on Christ this season, this is it. Guys, I love this. It's so creative. I mean, kids all love Christmas music. And so this is just such a fun way to use the Christmas songs we already hear and sing to help our kids understand more and focus more on the meaning of Christmas. Isn't that awesome? So get your Christmas playlist ready and grab your copy of the songs, tell the story, family devotional before they're gone. You can find them at cpadvent.org. And again, that is the letters cpadvent.org. Go over there, have a look. It's Darling Book, and you can get a copy now and enjoy it all season long. 
Hey friends, welcome back to the Boy Mom Podcast. I'm so glad to get to spend time with you again today. And I'm also so happy to get to share this special interview with all of you. You are just listening to a short clip from my conversation with Lisa Turkhurst. Now, Lisa is somebody who I've followed, um, read her books, and learned so much from over the past few years. So it was such an honor to get to have her on here with me uh, to share on a topic that I think is especially relevant as we go into the holiday season. Now, Lisa's talking about wisdom from her most recent book called Good Boundaries and Goodbyes. And I think this is relevant to all of us, no matter uh, what season we're in. Boundaries are really important, and yet sometimes we struggle to understand them, especially from a biblical standpoint. How do boundaries work for us when we are Christians and want to um, be humble and servants and lay down our life? How how do boundaries work? Well, Lisa helps us understand this from a biblical perspective and from her own story, which is a hard one. And so if you have relationships, if you're married, if you have parents, if you have neighbors or friends or coworkers, or as we're going to even talk about children as they grow up, how important it is that we understand boundaries so that we can communicate this to our growing kids and especially as they enter their adult years. It's just such an important topic that we really get a grasp on. So I can't wait to share it with all of you. Now, I won't spoil anything. I'll let Lisa do most of the talking here. But um, before we dive into the conversation, I just want to thank you for being a part of this podcast community. Thank you for sharing this with your friends and family. Um, If we're not connected on Instagram yet, I just want to invite you to hop on there and find and follow me at Monica Swanson underscore. I love it when you say hi over there. And I also love it when you take a screenshot of whatever episode you're listening to and share it to your stories and tag me if you do. And um, then I love to see those. And oftentimes I share them as well. Also, just a friendly reminder that if you haven't left a rating or review yet for this podcast, those mean the world to me. They really do help get the word out about this podcast. So you can just scroll down on your phone, find those five stars, tap on them. And if you have a moment, you can just say a few words about what you love most about the Boy Mom Podcast. Okay, friends, I want to get going here. So thank you for being a part of this community. Um, Put on your walking shoes, stick your AirPods in, or if you're um, doing stuff around the house, I just hope that this conversation is an encouragement to you, that you feel equipped, that you feel um, a little less alone in this thing of understanding and applying boundaries in a healthy biblical way. So here's Lisa and I. I hope you enjoy. Hey, Lisa, welcome to the Boy Mom Podcast. Well, thank you. I've been very excited about this interview, and I just consider it an honor to be with you. Uh, I don't think that we need much of an introduction. I'm guessing most of my listeners are very familiar with you. I know I've been following you and your books for years, but can you just give a quick introduction, maybe just update us on where you are, ages of your kids, and all the latest? Yes. Well, thank you. Um, Well, I still feel like a really young mom, but the reality is I think I'm old now. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm with you. <laughs> my, um, my kids range in ages from 34 to 24. And, um, yeah, so it's very exciting to now learn how to parent adult children. This is very different from parenting mm-hmm. um, younger kids or even parenting teenagers, but um, but we're making it through. Um, my life looks different than I thought it would in this season because I'm no longer married. 
And um, that was the hardest goodbye that I've ever had to say. I fought for a very long time to try to not have that be a reality in my life. But since it is a reality now, I'm determined that we're still going to have a healthy, beautiful, thriving family. And, you know, part of my heartbreak at first was what does this do to the legacy that I wanted to build for my family? And, um, and then one day it just occurred to me, I can stay true to the legacy that I have been building and continue to build that. And, um, yeah, so, uh, we are, we are marching ahead. Have there been a million plus shed tears? Yes. Do I wish that my story was different? Yes. But I've also learned how to accept reality and, um, I'm determined to move on and move forward in healthy ways. Yes. Well, I'm so glad. And so many of us are learning from you as you go. So we appreciate everything that you've shared along the way. And it appears that you are really close to your family. Your pictures are beautiful. I'll tell you this. When I was just looking at an Instagram post of yours recently, my 12-year-old son was like, who's that? And I told him who you were. And he was like, but aren't those her sisters? She doesn't look older than them. So if you feel old, he thought that you and your daughters looked like sisters. So there you go. Well, thank you. I'm going to rub that in my heart. I'll treasure that. Thank you. <laughs> and he's an honest one. So he wasn't, that wasn't flattery. <laughs> Anyways, do you live near most of your kids, some of your kids? Yeah, most of them um, live pretty close by, and um, my house is still the family hangout spot. Mm. So typically, I have some of my kids coming and going, you know, um, most days, and I love that. That's mm. that's what I always wanted. I wanted my house to be the hangout house, and it still yes. is, and I'm yes. super thankful for that. Oh, I love it too. My oldest just turned 23, so I now have three official adults, 18, 21, and 23, and then my 12-year-old. But I, I love this season too, and I agree with you. It's a whole different thing as they kind of launch into independence, but I love it when they come and go. So such an awesome season you're in. Well, can you tell us, I know you've written a lot of books, and the, anything I've read of yours has been awesome. Can you tell us about your most recent project and maybe just how, how it came to be and what your heart is in it? Yeah, so the book is called Good Boundaries and Goodbyes, and I really like the subtitle of this book because sometimes when people hear boundaries, they think that that's talking about shoving people away, or when they hear goodbye, that they conjure up you know this notion of walking away from other people, but the subtitle puts context on the good boundaries and goodbyes. And so the subtitle is loving others without losing the best of who you are. So this isn't about leaving people. It's about mm. loving people really well. Yes. So important. And I do think this is a topic that is misunderstood. And so often I know that I've talked to people who are like, well, I don't, I don't know if, if Jesus had boundaries, did he? And I've learned a lot from you. I already felt, I mean, from everything I've learned over time, I believe boundaries are important and I do believe they're biblical, but I love some of the ways you explain that. Could you tell us why they're not only good, but they're God's idea? Yes. So part of 
the struggle that I was having in drawing healthy boundaries is I didn't have the confidence that God was okay with it. Mm -hmm. And so I needed more biblical confidence around boundaries. And I started at the very beginning of the Bible and realized in Genesis 1 that God created the foundations of the earth using boundaries. And there was a separation between light and dark. There was a separation between the sea and the land. God told the sea, you can come this far, but no more. And so I see boundaries woven into the process of creation. And then as we get into Genesis 2, in the very first recorded conversation between God and man, God could have chosen any topic to cover, but he chose to establish a boundary in that first um, communication. And I think the way God established that boundary is really important for us to pay attention to. He set the boundary in the context of freedom and said to Adam, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden. So he established where the freedom was in the relationship, which should give Adam a lot of room to run and to thrive in. Um, And then he established a boundary, but not for just a restriction. He established the boundary for protection over Adam. When he said, you can eat from any tree in the garden, but not this tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And then there was a consequence because a boundary without a consequence is nothing but a bad suggestion. And so God said, and if you cross this boundary, then this is the consequence that will happen. And I think it's interesting as I continued to read through the Bible that um, I see so much that where there is chaos, there's usually the need for a boundary. And the presence of chaos often means the absence of healthy healthy boundaries. So by the time we get from Genesis all the way over to the the prophets and the law, what started out as one rule in the Garden of Eden, because sin kept happening and there was more chaos that kept happening. By the time we get to the law and the prophets, there were 613, give or take a few, um, rules, laws, boundaries. And so... I think even in that, there's a message to us. But my favorite lesson of all was how God established the tabernacle and the temple. And what I learned there is God gave the highest amount of access to the highest, to the high priest, but he also required the highest level of responsibility to that high priest. So the high priest once a year could go into the Holy of Holies Um, for the atonement of the people. But if he wasn't completely purified and absolutely cleansed, then he paid the highest price. There was the most severe consequence. And that was that he would drop dead in the presence of the Holy of Holies. And so those three words became really important to me as I looked at the the best meaning that I could discern about boundaries. And those three words are access, responsibility, and consequences. That's huge. 
I, I love how you make that so clear in your book as well. It's, it really, I think, is helpful. And I also love, I think I heard you on your own podcast, which we'll link to in our show notes, but talk about comparing that to a bank account, just to bring things up to speed. Like the Bible's got so much there, but for us to then say access, responsibility, help us understand it by using this great analogy of a bank account. I think that was super helpful. Well, thank you. Well, it it should also help us know that we're already doing this really well. So I'm going to flip the tables here and um, I'm going to ask you a couple of questions. Okay. So do do you have a bank account? Yes. Do you have a security passcode on your bank account? I do. And on a good day, I might remember it. (laughs) Yes, I do. That's a topic we can talk about another day. Um, Would you feel comfortable sharing your bank security passcode with everyone on the podcast today? I would not. Is that because you're unkind? (laughs) No, it's not. So that's great. Now, there's no right or wrong answer here, but tell me why you wouldn't share the passcode and give everyone free access to your bank account. Right. Well, I love this. I I mean, and when I heard you talk about it, I had to reflect on that. Um, I think there's just certain things that we know naturally are meant to be kept to the people closest to you, the, you know, yourself, your immediate family. It's just, we just have kind of an innate understanding that you wouldn't do that. Absolutely. And it's not because they're bad people or sketchy people, but you don't have enough relational equity to know that they would be responsible Mm -hmm. with that much access. Plus, you don't, I'm assuming you don't, have an unlimited supply of finances. And so because (laughs) you don't have an unlimited supply... (laughs) <laughs> you um, you need to be responsible with what you have in your bank account. And that doesn't make you unkind. It doesn't make you uncaring. It makes you responsible. We know this with our bank yes. account, but sometimes we forget this when it comes to our relational capacity or our physical capacity or our um, even our our vocational capacity. You know, we, we know it with our bank account, but we forget it in so many other areas that we are not limitless. We are limited, not because we're selfish, but because we're human. So those three words are very important because to the level that we give someone access to us, and that's physically, financially, emotionally, all of those, to the level that we give them access they need to bring that same level of responsibility to match the access that we've given them. If we give level 10 access to someone, but they are only willing or capable of bringing level three responsibility, the space between those two is going to be the tension you experience in the relationship, often where the chaos happens and often where we discover the need for a boundary. Now, Here's a mistake that I've made for so long. I thought 
that I needed to put that boundary on another person to force them to raise their level of responsibility up to the level of access that I'd given them. But we all know we cannot control another person or make them change. So I can ask them to lift up their responsibility or to increase their responsibility. But if they are unwilling or incapable, putting a boundary on them and putting external pressure on them to try to force them to change won't work. And you can think about it this way. If you had a cardiac event today and I was right there beside you, I would perform CPR. And using external force and pressure, I could keep you alive for a little bit. But if your heart doesn't start beating on its own, me doing CPR on you cannot possibly sustain your life long-term. Never have you seen two friends walking down the street, one person (laughs) doing CPR on the other person and keeping them alive using internal pressure. We all know that's not sustainable. So if that person that we are attempting to put a boundary on, if they don't have the desire to change coming from within them, chances are they won't make lasting changes. So then that tension is still there. And a lot of us then say, well, boundaries don't work for me. But that's because we did the boundary in the wrong direction. Instead of putting the boundary on that other person, we need to establish a boundary for ourselves to create safety and sanity. So the only logical thing at that point then is with the boundary put on ourselves, say, if they're only capable of level three responsibility, then I must reduce their access down to a level three so that equilibrium can be established in the relationship and that I can stay safe and sane in this dynamic. So I think that's an easy way to think through this. Now, There's also the word consequences, and we all know that, like I said before, a boundary without a consequence is nothing but a bad suggestion. So we need to have well-thought-through, logical boundaries for, uh, or consequences for those times where people cross our boundaries. That's not us being controlling and manipulative. That's us attempting to be healthy. So the other side of the consequence word, though, is there may be a cost to us relationally if we establish a boundary Mm -hmm. because people don't necessarily like change. And when we establish a boundary, we're saying changes are necessary. So if that person is just so put off by that boundary that they reject us, walk away from us, or tell us that we're a disappointment, chances are whether or not we draw a boundary with that person, they may walk away from us, reject us, and say they're disappointed in us. So our only choice is to determine how much pain we are willing to tolerate in that situation. And if staying in the dysfunction creates greater pain, then at that point, often we are motivated to establish a healthy boundary. And healthy boundaries are the only fighting chance that that relationship has to be long-term. Oh, wow. That is all so helpful. 
Hey guys, hope you're enjoying this episode. I just want to pause real quick to tell you about this month's podcast sponsor. You've probably heard me talk about Artsa before, but I absolutely love the Artsa box. It is a quarterly subscription box that follows in the footsteps of Jesus, delivering the best artisanal food, crafts, and content from across the Holy Land straight to your doorstep. Now, many of you have seen my reels where I share unboxing one of my Artsa boxes, but our family loves to open these. They always have something tasty, something beautiful, something for the home, something that smells good. Every box supports small, local Israeli businesses and charities, and you can feel so good about getting these if you've been to the Holy Land and you have sweet memories, or maybe like me, you just hope to go one day and kind of like to learn more. There's always educational pieces to these boxes, and also they make a great gift. So as we are looking at Christmas ahead... I'll bet there are people in your life who would love to receive a subscription box. And if you can get them quarterly, what a treat to look forward to getting these each quarter. Each of them come from a different special location. You can learn all about the location and the people who make the products when you open the box. So, so much fun. Be sure to use my link, uh, which you'll find in show notes and get 25% off your first Arts of Box using code BOYMOM25. Okay, BOYMOM25, get 25 off such a great deal. I know you're going to love it. So look in show notes for that link. And now we'll get back to today's episode. I know that for me, it was probably close to 20 years ago that I um, read the boundaries book by I think it's Cloud and Townsend. Um, But when I started to apply that to my marriage, I mean, there were some growing moments, it wasn't easy, but I feel like my husband really responded well, he respected the boundaries that I was setting. And yet you do hear of, I think we called them boundary busters, that the people who don't respond well, who um, aren't going to want to work with you. Could you maybe speak to that, to those who are saying, listen, I've tried boundaries. They're not working. Um, this isn't going well. Do you have any wisdom or words for the people who feel like they've really tried this and it's not working well? Such a good question. And obviously we are being descriptive here, not prescriptive. And what I mean by that is there's a million nuances in relational difficulties that um, I don't want to tell you how to think. I just want to give you a lot to think about both in today's interview and in the book, Good Boundaries and Goodbyes. Um, And I love that you said that boundaries helped your husband and you have a healthier relationship because clarity in healthy conversations can do that. It can actually improve the relationship. And since um, applying healthy boundaries to some relationships in my life, they've gotten so much better. And I've seen the positive fruit from a boundary. But also establishing a boundary created the necessity of the hardest goodbye that I ever had to say. So I think we have to understand that there there are a couple considerations when thinking through boundaries um, and especially someone who doesn't respect our boundaries. Is it creating a dynamic in the relationship where the relationship's just increasingly difficult or has that relationship slipped into that place of being a destructive relationship? And there's, there's a, you know, a big difference between a difficult relationship, which All of us have difficult relationships. There's a big difference between that and a destructive relationship. Yes. And so I think when we say boundaries don't work, 
our words frame our reality. So something's not working, but healthy boundaries done the right way, consistently kept and well communicated, um, they should work to keep you safe and to keep you a little more sane. What sometimes is happening there is when people say boundaries don't work, that usually means that the other person is not changing the way I want them to change. Mm -hmm. And so I think when our words frame our reality, we have to assess what, what's really at play here. And, you know, that's why it's important to think through the consequences of ahead of time, because sometimes emotion gets involved when people cross our boundaries mm -hmm. and we can even get kicked into that fight, flight, or freeze mentality. And we're not going to come up with logical yeah. boundaries at that point. Right. We're going to probably issue threats yes. and threats don't work either. But if you're having a hard time coming up with appropriate consequences, then I think that's a really good reason to go see a licensed professional counselor that can help you, that, that can really look at the, all the nuances of this particular relationship and help you figure out some healthy boundaries and give you some tools to stay consistent mm. with those boundaries. Yeah. And I think that that would be a time and money investment that would reap great yes. dividends. Absolutely. From experience, I agree with that. That's so good. If I can just shift before we come to the end here, obviously you've written this book and camped out on this topic when your kids are a bit older. And, um, but if you can speak to some of the moms out there who maybe are walking through boundaries, trying to figure it out in their own marriage or in their own relationships, and they really want to pass this on to their kids in a healthy way. Do you have any words of wisdom for communicating it uh, to our kids or maybe to our grown kids? Those of us who have kids who are now launching, what do you, what do you suggest for that? Um, I think one of the healthiest things that I did was give my grown children permission to establish some healthy boundaries with me. Mm -hmm. And it was challenging. It's challenging to shift from being able to send your child into timeout to they're grown adults now <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah. and they're paying their own bills. So you're not going to be able to send them to timeout. Right. 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 And so I did use those three words, access, mm. responsibility, and consequences. Yeah. And I encouraged through a discussion with my kids um, where is there some frustration in your relationship with me? Where is there some hardship or chaos in your relationship with me? And I allowed them to think through um, establishing some communication with me where they had some needed boundaries. And, you know, as hard as it was, none of this stuff is easy when they saw that I respected their boundaries um, and I didn't fight against them, I taught them what my counselor taught me, adults inform, children explain. So we don't, we don't need to over-explain our need for a boundary. We just need to inform that this boundary is needed for our safety and our sanity and, um, and so that the best of who we are can stay front and center. And I think modeling me accepting healthy boundaries for my kids 
when it was time for me to establish some boundaries with them, they were much more likely to respect them. And as we walked through that process, I think they learned to establish healthier boundaries with other people. Definitely. Yes. And I think for those who have younger kids listening, what a gift you can give them to help them understand this at a young age as they're dealing with friendships. And would I be right in guessing from what you've learned, women maybe struggle with this a little more than men? (laughs) Well, I don't want to (laughs) overgeneralize it. um, But you know, I think if you're a human doing human relationships, there's going to be difficulties. And here's where I see women more often struggle, and that is personalizing mm-hmm. um, what's happening mm-hmm. so that everything feels a little bit like an attack on us rather than an opportunity for relationship improvement. Okay. Um, so I think we can check ourselves with that. And Certainly, if there's abuse going on and you don't feel safe, then get the appropriate help. Don't keep secrets around that. Find some people to help you and support you. Um, The other area that I see is people-pleasing, like you just mentioned. And yeah, I think we all struggle with that. But here's what I discovered. I'm not people-pleasing just because I want to keep that other person happy. I'm people-pleasing so that they'll be happy because they are providing something and they're meeting a need or providing something for me that I'm afraid if they took that away, I wouldn't be okay in this world. Mm. And so when I got really honest Mm. about what was really happening here, then I could count the cost of a healthy boundary. I may really like what that person is providing me, even if there's relational chaos at play. But I have to recognize that at some point, if the pain of not drawing boundaries gets great enough, then the pain caused by a boundary, I will more easily overcome because I've reached that place where I say something has to change. And I also have to be honest that I will always desperately want from other people what I fear I may never get from God. Mm-hmm. And so ask yourself, am I desperately wanting from this other person what I fear I won't get wow. from God? Wow. And I think that that's a point of really healthy self-reflection. Wow. That's so important. So important. And such an area that an opportunity for growth for us personally, even before we move on in that relationship. Well, briefly, because it's such an important part of the book, can you just give us maybe a quick thought on how do we know when a goodbye might be necessary? We've talked about, you know, those who resist boundaries or boundary busters. And when, when do we know whether it's a friendship or a marriage or another relationship? How do we know when we need closure there? Well, there's a couple of things to consider. One, we want to take steps, not leaps. And I think that's really important. Two, we need to get healthy support around us because I think no matter which direction this goes, we don't want to go at it alone. Um, and the, the other thing is don't put yourself in a position 
where you have divorce regret or where you have friendship breakup regrets. Um, again, certainly if there's a, an a, abuse happening, then we need to get ourselves to a place of safety quickly. But in other situations, take the necessary time to give yourself the gift that you gave that relationship everything that you had. And then be honest with yourself when that person has reduced their responsibility with your relationship down to a zero, you may need to consider for a season or maybe for longer that if they're coming in at zero responsibility, then you probably need to consider reducing their access down to a zero. That's not you walking away. That's you accepting reality. So important and so hard. But like you mentioned in the big picture, saving a lot of pain as well. Uh, Can you just touch on, I, I really appreciated this process of closure and how you talk about a million little funerals. Um, you share steps in the book, I know, so you don't have to go through all of those, but what is that referring to? Well, we all know when someone passes away, there's a protocol of grieving. You know, there's a, there's a ceremony that marks where the, you know, the, the healing journey needs to begin and the grief process is so um, evident. And then people bring you casseroles and people surround you. And, you know, there's, we kind of know what to do when someone passes away. But when someone walks away from us, nobody's bringing us a casserole. And we don't have those marked moments of closure. And so I encourage in the book to recognize that there, through our lifetime, we're going to experience a million griefs. And that doesn't just mean the big griefs, like someone rejected us and walked away or someone passed away. It it could be these disappointments where we thought our life was going this way and it's that way. But whenever we feel those, the edge of grief sort of nipping at our heart, recognize that it could be healthy to have a funeral and to let go of of situations that will never be like we expected them to be. And that funeral is, it should be where the hurting ends and the healing begins. Because once we accept reality, then we can walk in reality. And mental health is a commitment to reality at all costs. And so you may have to grieve the relationship with one of your adult children. You thought it was going to be this way, and but reality is playing out this way. And so I think acknowledging that grief, not living in denial of the grief, but acknowledging the grief is healthy. And, um, and, and just remember that we need to give ourselves permission. It's okay to feel sad and to walk through the healing process of that grief before us. Right. And probably better not to rush through it probably healthier to take the time to walk through that. And I think I want to add here just because, like I said, I've I've worked through some boundary stuff in relationships and my own marriage. Sometimes I think this process might be, this grief process might be on an area of a relationship, not on the entire relationship. So yes. maybe something you've held on to and always hoped 
that one day your husband would become the romantic one or the this or a friendship would one day fulfill some desire. And I think sometimes just grieving that and being okay moving forward, saying the relationship can still be good, but I'm going to accept closure in this one area, right? Absolutely. And I wrote about in the book, when we do that, um, we free ourselves from constantly trying to make that person be what we always desired for them to be, which causes so much angst and frustration. And then when we grieve that and let it go, we're free to see and possibly even enjoy the real person in front of us. And I think some of us fall in love with who we want a person to be rather than who that person actually is. And um, again, mental health is a commitment to reality at all costs. Mm, Beautiful. And again, just as this applies to our children, I think helping our kids walk through things, you know, I've had sons who say they just wish they found that best friend who fit all, you know, checked all the boxes and and was just like them. And I'm like, you know, sometimes you're going to find a friend that's got a lot of good qualities, but it's okay. I just think this concept is so important to communicate to our kids. And the more we walk it out, the more they're going to learn from us as well. So thank you, Lisa, for being such an example to all of us and sharing this story. And I love, I guess it's your counselor, Jim Crest. That's how, that's his name. Yes. How he has um, parts throughout the book. So helpful. So great. Now, do you mind just telling us about your podcast? He's with you on your podcast. Is that right? Yes. So I do a podcast called Therapy and Theology. And uh, it's with Dr. Joel Mutamale. He brings the theology and Jim Cress, licensed professional counselor, my counselor, he brings the therapy. And then I like to say, I bring the issues, <laughs> <laughs> so good. but I also bring some experiential wisdom and I help take big concepts from the theological wisdom and the therapeutic wisdom. And I bring it down so that the average everyday person, um, can understand it and apply it to their life. And so I really enjoy that podcast that we're doing, Therapy and Theology. Yes, I enjoy it too. And I enjoy following you in all of the places. Um, Why don't you tell people where they can, of course, get a copy of the new book, as well as follow you and uh, Proverbs 31. Just give us a quick uh, look at where everyone can find and follow you. Great. So the ministry website address is proverbs31.org. You can find me on social media at Lisa Turkhurst. And of course, my name is spelled a little strange. So just look for the Lisa that is spelled L-Y-S-A. So at Lisa Turkhurst. And then you can get the book wherever books are sold. That's right. And I'll be linking to all those places in show notes, of course. Well, Lisa, thank you so much. I'm inspired and encouraged. Love your writing and just appreciate you so much. Thank you. It's such a joy to be with you today. It's an honor. So thanks so much. Thank you. Aloha and God bless. Hey guys, I hope you enjoyed that conversation. And again, there are show notes with links to everything Lisa and I talked about over at monicaswanson.com forward slash episode dash 183. Okay, we've got more great interviews and topics coming up the rest of this month and to the end of the year. So keep coming back, keep spreading the word about the podcast to your friends and just appreciate you so much. Have a wonderful rest of your week. And until next time, aloha. Aloha.